Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 257. Can you believe it? <clears throat> no one would have thought when this started that we were even going to make it to episode 2. And yet here we are, 257. 257, by the way, almost the number of Let's Plays I've got up at the website. I uh, was doing my... Uh, new YouTube header background thingy that I try and do every so often, once a year, in which I take the title shot from every game that I've got a completed Let's Play of, and I make a little collage kind of thing of it. And, uh, yeah, 263 on there with two ongoing, so that's 265, plus another four or five sitting on the hard drive ready to be uploaded, and I'm working on another four or five. Could hit 300 by the end of the year, maybe, maybe not, depends, we'll see. <clears throat> Pardon me. As I said, this is Electric Leftovers. You're listening to it. You can tell you're listening to Electric Leftovers by the way you're not listening to anything else. Probably didn't need me to explain that to you. Here's what we got going on at the website. We have some new stuff. Since last we spoke, there's some more Final Fantasy VIII from me. We have some uh, Witch Bot Meg Meglilo? Meglilo? I think that's what that says. That's a game Jade did. Uh, Supercharged Robot Volkaiser from Jade and Galaga from Jade. Jade getting in really early on the uh, monthly for February, which Coolio has picked for us. And what we're going to do is we're going to play arcade games. Arcade games, well, not necessarily arcade cabinet games, but arcade style games. Games in which the objective is to get the highest score possible. And what Coolio has suggested we all do, pick a game, play it, and then play everybody else's picks as well. I think that should be kind of fun. Uh, the stipulation being it's got to be a game that you get score in. Um, it's a game that you have a set number of lives to start off with. One-ups are allowed, continues are not. Basically, you get your one quarter's worth of play and then you're done. Highest score wins. So Jade's picked Galaga. Uh, I have picked for us um, NES Pinball. And I haven't heard anything from Scarlet or the other guys yet. So expect that to be coming up in the near future. And speaking of in the near future, music. It's nearly the future.
carnivorous robots chow down in Chinatown, while brutal ninjutsu warriors, blood descendants of the deadly Foot Clan, bust up bystanders from the Bronx to Broadway. Police SWAT teams can't stop them, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles can, because powered by slices of pizza, they're always ready to rumble with nunchucks, katana blades, and a party bus loaded with anti-Foot Clan missiles. So team up with the Turtles, Raphael, Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello. Then switch on the tortoise radar following your map and sixth sense past savage traps and secret sewage passages. Knock heads with the nasty ninjutsu and either splatter them senseless or get yourself turned into turtle soup. Oh, the back of that box. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, an action game for the NES developed by Konami, published by Ultra, which was also Konami, released in 1989. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is one of the first games I had for my Nintendo back in the way back when. Uh, it's a hard game. It's an interesting game. Much more follows the original thread of the Ninja Turtles than the uh, animated show, which Turtles 2 did. Um, I like this game. It's got some problems, I will admit. It is not perfect, but I like this game. I like this game very much. A uh, little quick... <clears throat> Excuse me, aside on the Konami Ultra thing. So, Nintendo, in an attempt to keep a lot of subpar games from getting released by the same publisher, uh, think of somebody like um, Pony Canyon, FCI, Pony Canyon kind of thing, who could just churn out a dozen really cheap games really quick and really hurt the reputation of the console. Nintendo had a rule. Certain developers and publishers could only release X amount of games for their system within a, a year. Calendar year, whatever, whatever. And so what a couple of different companies did, Konami being one of them, they started a spin-off. Uh, basically an in-house publisher to go along with games that Konami themselves published, like the Castlevania and Contra games. Uh, Konami created Ultra, which did the Ninja Turtles games. They did Metal Gear. They're all Konami games. But since it couldn't be Konami published and come out the same year as some other Konami published games, they made Ultra to get around that. A couple other companies did it too. But that's the one that sticks out in my mind the most.
Reviews uh, were kind of all over the place this week. Um, there were a lot of them uh, for the Super Nintendo version, even, which was not a, a, a super uh, easy to find modern mainstream kind of release. So I was a little surprised. But I picked two. I picked two. And we'll uh, go through these together, like we do, and see what we can come up with. So, Tales of Fantasia this week. Here's our review by RP Gamer Gal uh, from 2001. Great! Not perfect. If you want Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy and all the RPG elements in one, period, this is it! Exclamation point. It got it's got cool combos of attacks for the main character in a way like CT's text and a battle system that is very similar to FF, although not exactly the same. You can only control quest. That was in all caps, that's why I said it that way. Only control quest, the main character. By that, Archie, Mint, and Clarth will do their own thing unless you block all their spells or the ones you don't want them to cast and cast them manually during battle or else they'll do it over and over. Oh boy. The game revives MP or the magic points after battle, so that's a cool thing. Quest learns very nicely animated spells and attacks and it's just fun watching them. The graphics are done very nicely, beautifully in fact. The towns, the overworld, the characters are all good. I think they should have chosen a more variety of colors, but it's very good. Uh, RP Gamer Gal from, from the old country. Uh, where were we? The music is by far one of the best. You won't ever get sick of it. There's an interesting theme to almost every town. The bosses are very interesting. In general, this game is not very easy like most RPGs. You have to level your team up at certain times or else you'll be toast. Like sentence structure. There's a lot of random battles, but leveling up is important if you choose the difficult way of beating the game. The enemies are fun to fight because of the interesting battle mode. That, by far, is the most interesting and fun on RPG. You run and hit on an enemy. Oh, hey, baby. Strong bad. Uh, there's action instead of just standing there, and by pressing other keys, you can do different combos that you choose. In short, the battles are fun, fun, fun! <clears throat> okay. The storyline is not that particular, but enough to keep you interested. Basically, Kless's parents get killed, and he's sent back into time to avoid being killed himself and avenge his parents. Yeah, that's not particular. There are only four characters, one healer, Mint, a magic person, Archie, and a summoner, Clarth. But it's a well-balanced team. As discussed, gameplay value is very high, and no matter who you are, you'll love this game. I would give it a 9.5 out of 10, because it's near perfect. Nothing's perfect, but it's one of the best RPGs you'll ever play on the SNES comparabled... Comparabled? Comparabled in quality to Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, and all the other quality ones too out there for the NES. SNES, excuse me, that was me. The replay value is high because I am sure you'll never get enough of the cool battle system. RP Gamer Gal, that was rough. Is that how. I have so many questions. What. When you say text, like CT, Chrono Trigger, do you mean like the dual text? Do you mean the, the triple text? If it's not, it, then it's just 
abilities and spells that other games have had for a long time. And how is the battle similar to Final Fantasy? It is nothing like Final Fantasy. This has more... Oh, and you missed, you just totally left out one character. There are five characters. You can have four in your party at any one time. <clears throat> uh, did you finish the game, RP Gamer Gal? Well, you gave it a four and a half. I guess that's fine. What else have you done? No longer an active member. Oh no. A lot of sequels. Lufia 2, Breath of Fire 2, uh, Tales of Fantasia, and Sailor Moon. <laughs> Liked them all. Lufia 2, good, but not excellent. Tales of Fantasia, great, not perfect. Breath of Fire 2, RPG fans gotta try this. Sailor Moon, difficult yet addictive. Try it. Yeah, boy. Let's move on to this one, Dark Seryu. Uh, this one from 2002. What a punch in the gut, he calls it. We have all read the hype reviews of the little-known RPG by Namco, Tales of Fantasia. Apparently this game is more than praised for its uniqueness and quality. However, I have to say that this game was a major disappointment. Well, I expected a game better than Chrono Trigger. Like many say, I got a swift punch in the kidneys. You know, I hate when I'm expecting a game better than Chrono Trigger and I get punched in the kidneys. How do you expect a game from Chrono Trigger? Who is saying that this game is better than Chrono Trigger? I like this game. It is not better than Chrono Trigger. Is it because it has time travel? Maybe that's it. Graphics you could die for. Personally, I think these graphics are a hundred times better than Star Oceans. The game has lots and lots of color and a whole lot of frames of animation. What impresses people the most about this game is the little stuff I didn't really care much for, like reflections in the water and your character sweating. What I found most impressive were the spell animations and the graphics overall. Beautiful. Well, Mr. Dark Sierra, Sierra, <coughs> Sierra, I don't know. Uh, I, generally, I thought the spell animations in this game were dumb. This is not me arguing here. If he says something I agree with, I will absolutely say so. Um, it's the spell animations were just bad. And the summon animations were just bad. Uh, the reflections in the water I thought was really cool. Not a lot of games did that. And that whole little pop-up box balloon thing with the motions uh, icons I think is really annoying. Eat your heart out, Nabuo. Ah, the sweet, sweet soundtrack of Tales of Fantasia is one that is truly unforgettable. Much of the music in this game is better than anything you'll hear in a Final Fantasy game. Oh, buddy. There is one song in this game that is actually sung. There are actually lyrics! Albeit it's an annoying little tune sung by what sounds like a five-year-old, five-years-old Japanese girl, but it still shows the sheer power of the Super Nintendo sound card. That's not all. There are a ton of sound effects and voiceovers which actually sound like something out of a PlayStation game. There are entire lines spoken out in some parts of the game. This is something that has to be seen to believe. See the speech, ladies and gentlemen. See it. Originality up the wazoo. What really caught my interest in Tales of Fantasia is the amount of originality. It's really hard to describe what Tales of Fantasia is. It seems half menu based and half action with very strange battles fought out via Street Fighter. It is truly the most original battle system. 
I have ever seen since Star Ocean. It's the most original, except for like these other two. But RP Gamer Gal said it was like uh, Final Fantasy. How is it like Street Fighter and Final Fantasy? I'm so confused. Control! We don't need no stinking control. That first one should be a question mark. Here is where Tales of Fantasia begins to plummet. The control in Tales of, Fant Tales of Fantasia, without exaggeration, is even worse than Rise of the Robots. You press the attack button, and rather than swinging his sword like you expect, he dashes toward the enemy and hits them, then dashes back. This wouldn't be so bad, but during battle you go back and forth and back and forth at a dizzying speed. This will get on your nerves within a simple five seconds of play, and trying to use a spell or select an enemy during this ritual is nearly impossible. Jumping is a pain in the butt. You must press the attack button twice and your character will automatically fly without aims toward the enemy in a leap of faith. The control is as unresponsive as Heroes of the Lance. Your character doesn't seem to attack press the button. I bet if you mash the attack button with your palm, Clust will turn around and say, Forget it, pal. I ain't moving. Attack press the button. That's what it says. Uh, yeah, the control, it's not bad, but it's different, and it takes some getting used to. But once you got it, no sweat. Is this an RPG or cheap pornography? I've read in another review and heard from a few of my friends that this game is extremely dirty. I thought they were exaggerating, but when I played this game and discovered that this game was actually that bad, the game is full of perverted references to hentai and spring that would make Richard Pryor blush. Excuse me. This is also the first game I know where the F-word was used, and frequently at that. However, under all the porn and swearing, there is a decent plot. A plot that was actually rather impressive with tons of character development and twists as well. What version did you play, Dark Sierra? Because the one I played didn't have all of that. I know there's a couple of different fan translations, which is what I'm sure a lot of people are playing the SNES version on. Since, uh, from my recollection, it was never released officially in America on the Super Nintendo. So, I think that's probably where that is coming from. The result. Personally, I thought this game was a major disappointment. Perhaps they should have put an effort to make the control better and possibly scrap a lot of the filthy stuff. If Namco would have only doctored this game up a little, this game would have been greater than Chrono Trigger. Rating 2 out of 5. Poor. Now let's take a second. Graphics are a hundred times better. Lots of color and animation. The little stuff liked the spell animations and graphics. Overall, beautiful. Soundtrack better than anything in a Final Fantasy game. The originality. Oh, it sounds like he's gonna be so. It's amazing. It's the best game of all time. But then I had to push the button twice and it said the F word. So no, you get a two. You get a two, and you'll be thankful for it.
This is Electric Leftovers, again, still, perhaps, who can say? And it is time to read the news. Our lead story this week is bird-brained. Officers of the North Wales, England police believe they have solved, with help from the Government Animal and Plant Health Agency, the APFA, the mystery of why more than 200 starlings were found dead in a road on Bodadern. Bodadern, yeah, on December 10th. Rob Taylor of the police force's rural crime team revealed that the birds suffered from internal trauma, supporting the case that the birds died from impact with the road, he told Sky News. It's highly likely that the murmuration took avoiding action whilst airborne from possibly a bird of prey, with the rear of the group not pulling up in time and striking the ground. Wow, that's like game of chicken gone wrong. In a Midwestern Germany city, uh, one called Cleve, a regional court in mid-January overruled a lower court that awarded the owner of a chicken mauled by a dog higher restitution because the chicken had TV experience. Siegland, the chicken who died in the attack, had completed 10 hours of actual training and had appeared in at least one German movie for which she received a three-figure daily fee. The court ordered the dog's owner to pay 615 euros, or about 680 bucks in damages, uh, the Associates thus reported. A regular chicken is worth about 15 euros. It pays to send your chicken to uh, acting school, apparently, especially in Germany. Weird science. On January 22nd, the National Weather Service expanded its cold weather warnings in South Florida to include falling iguanas along with falling temperatures. According to the Associated Press, the NWS alerted folks that the reptiles can become stunned by the cold and fall from their perches in trees. As temperatures rise during the day, they wake up unharmed. Males can grow to 5 feet long and weigh 20 pounds. They aren't considered to be dangerous to humans unless they land on your head. Falling iguanas. Another reason to never go to Florida. Animal Farm. Here's a story. A, a real story, but this is not it. A Polish pig farmer in his 70s who had been missing since December 31st is believed to have been eaten by his livestock, Fox News reported. Lublin District Prosecutor Magdalena Serafin told local media the farmer's remains consisting of bones and skull fragments were found by a neighbor who called police after spotting the bones while fetching water from a nearby well on January 8th. The farmer's animals were roaming freely in the yard, and officials indicated it was clear that the pigs had feasted on him. The sus uh, they suspect he died of a fall or heart attack. That's some, uh, Deadwood justice. Extreme measures. An unnamed 55-year-old man from the town of Pitalito, Colombia, got cold feet before his scheduled marriage over the week of January 18th, but lacked the courage to tell his fiance. Instead, with the help of his best friends, he faked his own kidnapping, reported Oddity Central. The groom's pals told authorities they'd seen a group of armed men on motorcycles abduct their friend, and because kidnapping for extortion are not unknown in Colombia, the local police responded in force. Police Commander Nestor Vargas ordered roads closed, sealing off the town, and began a search. That's when the friends got nervous and admitted they'd made up the whole thing. Authorities kept the groom's identity a secret to protect him from other townspeople who've been down this road before. This is the second time the groom has left a bride waiting at the altar. He and his cohorts will likely face up to six years of jail time. But will he be married, man? Stories of oops. In Toronto, the streetcar tunnel in 
Queen K station is protected by an automatic gate, rumble strips, flashing lights, and signs warning automobile drivers not to enter. Gee, I wonder what happened. Let's read on. But at 2 a.m. on January 22nd, one driver managed to ignore or overlook all the warnings, driving his car about 600 meters through the tunnel before arriving at Union Station and becoming stuck on a concrete block, the CBC reported. We're sort of hard-pressed to think of any other measures we can take at this point to deter drivers, a spokesman for the Toronto Transit Commission, the TTC said, short of closing the tunnel, and that is not an option. And it's been unseasonably cold in Florida. See the following iguana story from above. And one St. Petersburg man apparently became so desperate for warmth on January 21st that he set fire to a stack of paperwork in his apartment around 3 a.m. WFLA reported that the flames, Mark Ockrent 66, ignited were significant enough to trigger smoke detectors which summoned the fire department. But no one in the 30-unit building was hurt in the incident. Except Ockrent, who was charged with first-degree arson. Oh no! Don't burn paper in Florida. Unless you're probably trying to warm up an iguana. News that sounds like a joke, you know. If you've always thought those nail clippers in your kitchen drawer were a harmless tool, think again! Who keeps nail clippers in the kitchen? What else is in that drawer? Kathleen Ayala. Ayala. We're going to go with Ayla. 30 has been charged with murder in Cumberland County, New Jersey, following an altercation with her husband on January 2nd, the Associated Press thus reported. Authorities say Ayla of Millville and 35-year-old Alex Torres got into an argument in their home that became physical, and Torres left the premises. Ayala chased after him and stabbed him numerous times with a nail file tool on the clippers, causing wounds to his feet, hands, shoulders, and left leg. When police arrived, they found Torres unresponsive and transported him to the hospital where he died the next morning. So that's... Yeah, that's probably long enough. It, it caused some damage. Ah, news of the last straw. After numerous complaints going back six months, according to a neighbor, Robert Wayne Miller, 57, was arrested at his home in uh, Zephyrlis, Florida more Florida this week uh, on December 22nd for disturbing the peace with his lawnmower didn't he know it's so cold that the iguanas are freezing? Don't mow the lawn body camera footage obtained by WFLA shows Pasco County Deputy Michael O'Donnell arriving at Miller's property and calling out to him followed by a revving of the mower's engine I've had four people come out and tell me that they can't take it anymore O'Donnell told Miller who responded Whatever, before turning on the mower again. Dwayne White, who lives across the street, told the Washington Post the mower isn't even capable of cutting grass. He'll run that tractor all night and it echoes all over the neighborhood, White said. Miller was ultimately arrested for disturbing the peace and not complying with the law officer's uh, command. If convicted, he could spend 18 months in jail and pay a $1,500 fine. Dude, you should have just shot somebody. It's Florida. You're a guy. Men in Florida can shoot whoever they want and get away with it. But if you're a woman, though, don't even shoot at nothing because you go to jail. Awesome. Final story. Awesome. Downtown Winston-Salem, North Carolina, is a little safer these days thanks to the effort of Nightwatch, a helpful vigilante dressed all in black with his face partially covered and wearing reflective goggles. I don't know why I'm reading it like this. WGHP reported on January 22nd. 
I'm not looking to be a Batman and go around beating up criminals, he told a reporter. Instead, he's an anonymous superhero who's been patrolling the nighttime streets for about a month, hauling around a bag filled with food, clothing, and toiletries for those in need. There is no prerequisite for being a good person, Nightwatch said. On that night, he helped out about a dozen homeless people in the community. It's just nice that people aren't totally freaked out, he said. Now they know who I am and that I'm trying to help. This was Electric Leftovers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You made it to the end of the show. Give yourself a star. Look at you go. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Of course, I do thus appreciate all of the listenership and support you guys give. Um, I appreciate the comments we've been getting on YouTube. That's very, very kind of you guys. Thanks very much. Um, If you want to check out more episodes, you can do so at any podcast software of your choice. And you can find episodes, albeit a week late, over at YouTube just by searching for Electric Leftovers. You can check the show out in our main archive at lowbiasgaming.net slash electricleftovers where you can subscribe and listen to all the old episodes, etc., etc. If you'd like to see video of the games that we talk about on the show or get the soundtrack that you've heard, you can do so at lowbiasgaming.net as well. If you'd like to support the show by kicking in a couple of bucks into the tip jar, you can do that as well. We've got a Patreon set up at patreon.com slash Jason's Groove Machine. You can do it on the Cash App at dollar sign Darcy Taylor Bird and at Venmo at Jason Dash Parton. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, real quick, we are coming up on the very end of the fifth year of the show. Uh, so uh, that last episode, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll do something different, but I'm not sure what yet. I've got some ideas. I'll let you know probably when the show comes on. Okay? Great. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one.
Brought to you by... Electric Leftovers is a low-bias gaming production. Low-bias gaming. We play games.